here in a series called Back to Normal, and what we've been talking about is what does it look like to go back to normal. If you're, uh, if for so, those of you who are watching online that aren't in California, on Tuesday we open up, so you have essentially one more day to get COVID in California, and then it's gone. It's just, it's like Tuesday, boop, I don't know how they do it, but my hat's off to the leadership of this fine, fine state. Um, <laughs> for figuring out the day when COVID died. Wow, and I sound facetious. <clears throat> okay, so, um, <laughs> but that, that's it, back to normal. What does back to normal look like? And so many of you have ideas of what, what back to normal would look like, and we've been talking for the last, it's really funny, I, I saw this this morning. Uh, back to normal, seven things we learned from COVID, and the series is nine weeks long, <laughs> okay, so. <laughs> Apparently, I can't stop talking. Okay, so, uh, but yeah, there's actually nine things. Outrage was a two-week series, so uh, you can enjoy that one. But what does it look like to go back to normal? Probably a lot of you have uh, different ways. I was talking to somebody who's going back to the office, and they're trying to decide, do they wear masks? Do they not wear masks? Uh, you know, kind of all, all those different things. Um, maybe for school, you know, we, we made it to the end of school. Now school's over. What does it look like to open up school? in, the, in uh, the fall, all these different things. For some of you, um, the COVID year uh, exposed some things in your life, good and bad. Uh, for some of you, uh, relationships were formed, and for some, uh, relationships were severed during this time for whatever reason, whether it's just you realized, wow, we have to spend every day together, or uh, you realized, wait, you voted for who? It's like, I'll never talk to you again. Maybe, maybe that, that was it. We're going to end on one that um, is perfect for today, about what our lives, if we go back to normal, I want to talk to you personally and to me personally. What, how am I going to be different? What does my life count for? And just, I'm just going to talk to the Christians right now. Why do you follow Jesus? Why do you follow Jesus? What, why do you read your Bible? Why, do you, why is there devotion? What is it? Because we're going to spend eternity with him, right? We're going to spend eternity with Jesus. So what do we do between now and then? We don't just raise our hand to avoid hell. That's good, by the way. Okay. Uh, we, we do it for some other reason. What is that? Well, that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to talk about in framing in what we just did just now and celebrating the mills, and I'll be mentioning them many times. And so if you're watching this outside of live stream, you're watching it later, uh, we're, we let a family move on, uh, and, and uh, they're a family of deep, deep service and uh, part of our community. Here's the question we asked a couple weeks ago. Who is wise and understanding among you? That's a great question. I mean, that's kind of what we do. That's why we have Google, right? If you go on Google and you type in something to see something, you want to read an article by a pro, don't you? Don't you want to read, like, you know, you want to know, hey, what do I do? You know, do masks work? Don't type that in. Uh, but you just t type in whatever it is. You want to know the person. Do they have a degree? What, what are they? When our son uh, went in for brain surgery, um, I didn't really care about the dude's education. I really didn't as much as I did 
How many times have you done brain surgery before? That's what I wanted to know. Because as you know, right, it doesn't matter what degree is, what degree you have. That person could have had 80 doctorates all about the brain and known everything about the brain, but you put a scalpel in his hand and you go in to actually do brain surgery. I want to know not who's wise and understanding among you, but let him show it by their good life, by deeds done. By deeds done in the humility which comes from wisdom. I don't care about how much we know. I want people to know we care about them. All the Jesus stuff, all the memorized verses, all that stuff is important. But you are here to serve. That's why you're here. Let me, I'm going to spend a little bit of time in Ephesians, which is a heady book. We'll try to uh, uh, make it accessible in Ephesians. And then we're going to uh, end with kind of what, the, uh, what my point is for the morning. So... Paul starts out, Ephesians chapter 2. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Now you're like, oh man, great. Thanks, John, for reminding me of that. But we were, all of us. All of us who call ourselves a follower of Jesus. That's how we come to him. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so just so you understand the idea of sin, sin is just missing the mark. It's just, if you took Jesus and you put him here and you put me here, how much different I am than Jesus, how much I'm not living up to that is my sin. How I'm living for myself, how I'm um, objectifying people or things or whatever it is. As I am different than Jesus, that is my sin. And we were all born with a sin nature. And you know that. And probably when you came to Jesus, if some of you did, and maybe some of you who are uh, here are maybe thinking about that, like how do I take this step towards Jesus? The first part of it is understanding that we've fallen short of, of who God, what God has for us. We've fallen short. We are dead, essentially, in our sins and our transgressions. And he goes on, and he says, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world. This is the culture that we have, the culture that we're in. And we say uh, often in this church that if you just pick up your feet in the river of culture, it will carry you to a place you do not want to be. That's the culture that we're in. And we are all tempted even now to go to it. So this morning, this morning, okay? So I'm, I'm doing these uh, cabinet doors. I had to build one cabinet door. And, and that turned into having to do four because they all have to match, right? So, so I build these cabinet doors and I'm, I'm spraying them. And uh, it's super stressful because you spend all this time with your little babies. And you're like crafting them. And then you have to spray paint them. I mean, you don't want to mess it up. So this morning, I realized that my, the tip of my sprayer needs to be replaced. So get this. This is part of our culture, and you'll love this. This morning, I ordered a spray tip that's coming to my house, and it'll probably be there when I get home this afternoon. That's part of our culture. You know why? Because we're a consumer culture. 
That's our culture. When we go back to normal, many of you, now not, not in Living Spring because we're super spiritual, but at other churches I've heard this about them. Terrible, terrible people there. Uh, that, that they're thinking about how is it going to get back to normal so that I can be served so it's not inconvenient for me, so I can get back to the ways of this world. Order what I want, go where I want, sit where I want, be served when I want. Well, that's the ways of this world, and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires. You're like, this is the most depressing sermon, okay? It gets better, trust me. And following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were, by nature, deserving of wrath. That's how we come to Jesus. We come with the sense of, I need a Savior. I'm the, me taking care of me doesn't work. I need Jesus. All right, now watch what he says. And this is so cool. And, and, and I wish we were in Ephesus at this time. Because at this time, if none of the gods that were served, although they're not really gods, they're idols, were compassionate. None of them were kind. None of them, it, it, that whole idea of God loves you, that is completely, completely foreign to this culture. Gods were there to be appeased. If something bad happened, that was a God being upset. If something good happened, that was a God being happy. Watch how Paul describes your heavenly father. But because of, the, uh, of his great love for us, again, this would have been foreign to the readers in Ephesus, okay? God, who is rich in mercy, listen, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. That God, while we were in this part of being dead and in our transgressions and in our sins, God says, I love that person. I want to have a relationship with that person. And the question is why? Because we were created by him. We were created in his image. We were created for a relationship. We weren't, okay, listen. We were not created to be served. We were created to serve. And the question I have for all of us, myself included, is when we get back to normal, what does normal look like for me as a servant of the living God who is dead in his trespasses? and in his sins, and now has been snatched out of that and made alive. Let me tell you something. I wasn't made alive just so I could sit around for another, let's see, I'm 35 now. So like another 70 years. I'll, I'll probably be 105 when I die. Right? That is not why I accepted Jesus was to sit around and wait for eternity. Eternity started the moment I said, Lord, I can't do this on my own. He said, I've got a life for you that's way different than you living for yourself. You're going to live for others. You're going to live for those around you. You're going to, here's what he says. 
you're going to get to a place where your circumstances, whether it's COVID, whether it's the economy, whether it's someone's in office, whether it's you break down, you're going to get to a place where that doesn't even bother you because you're going to be so focused on others and not on yourself. That's making us alive with Christ. That's what that relationship with Jesus looks like. It looks like a relationship where there is no anxiety, there is no fear. We're not worried about what's going to happen next because we were dead in our sins. We were dead in our trespasses, dead in our transgressions, and he made us alive in him. Well, we can put that old stuff behind us. We don't have to worry about what is happening in culture Totally water off a duck's back. So he made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, just by grace you've been saved. Just to give you an idea of grace real quick, a lot of people talk about it as unmerited favor, and that, that is definitely part of the um, definition. But this idea of grace, um, so we're a free Methodist church. That means we're Wesleyan. Okay, I, I don't mean to, but it's like, I lost all of you right there. We're Wesleyan. Yeah, so it's like, night, night. Okay, so, uh, which means we're Arminian, which means that his grace is continual, 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 continual. It wasn't just a one-time event. If you can finish this sentence, once saved, okay, that's not us, okay? You just were Calvinist right there. I don't even know what happened to us right there, but that's, that's, not, that's not us. It's this grace. We call it prevenient grace. It's grace that goes before us. You could call it sneaky grace. And it's happened to you before. I know it has. Have you ever been sitting there throughout the weeks and uh, somebody calls you up and says, hey, I was just thinking about you and they like quote some verse or whatever, and you're like, that's exactly what I was thinking about. And then somebody else, like maybe, maybe before you were a Christian, someone like brought you to church, and you're like, I don't want to go to church. It's boring. All they do is ask for money. Oh, by the way, if you are giving, no, I'm just kidding. Um, right, and, and so you have all these things. Oh, they only ask for money, uh, all, all these kinds of things. But then the pastor says one thing, or somebody says something, or you turn on the TV or whatever, and you're like, man, this is all just like, is everyone like, coming against like how does everybody know this that I'm going through this that's provenient grace it's by that sneaky grace that you've been saved I made you realize man maybe living for myself maybe this culture that we have in America God bless America greatest country in the world greatest country in history but our culture is consumeristic and that's exhausting isn't it isn't our culture exhausting it is to me I gotta figure out I, do you know how many spray tips I had to look at this morning to figure out which one? I'm just thinking. It's by grace we've been saved. Watch. And God raised us up with Christ. Listen. And seated us with him in the heavenly realms. When we die, yeah, but it's already been done. If you are a follower of Jesus, you have been raised up with him. That is your status right now. You were dead in your sins and in your transgressions, and now you've been raised with Christ and seated with him in the heavenly realms here on earth. Not just heaven. Heaven's great. We'll get there. I'm happy about that. I wasn't created to just waste my life and then go to heaven. 
That's not why you were created either. These heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Now watch, why? In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. In other words, how, how that grace affects me, how that prevenient grace, that sneaky grace, comes in and affects my life, and I begin to go through my day, I go through culture, and people say, wow, that is totally different. I'm like, yeah, I'm seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. In order that in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace through me, through you, through you. Expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not of ourselves. It's a gift. It's a gift. When, we, when I talk to people and I'm like, would you like to accept Jesus? I don't even like that terminology because it doesn't really make any sense. Like, accept him? What does that mean? And you have to go through this whole long thing. And now this is what it means. But it's a gift. It's a gift that I don't need to live for myself anymore. Christ has modeled a way to live where I can push away from my sin, from my transgression, and to follow him. Not by works, so that no one can boast. Here's my point for this morning. Devotion leads to motion. That's it. Devotion leads to motion. I don't care how much Bible you know. I don't care how you're living your life and memorizing and all that. That is great stuff. But it needs to lead to motion. It needs to lead to action. It needs to lead to, to solving injustice. It needs to lead to looking after the least of these. It needs to lead to pushing against our culture, which says, what you need and what you want and what you uh, aspire to, that's the most important thing. Our culture says your truth is the most important thing. No, it's not. No, it's not. Devotion leads to motion. Watch what he goes, he goes on. So if you look at verse 9 uh, or uh, verse 10, it goes right on. We are his workmanship. So, you get this idea that we were dead in our sins, we were dead in our transgressions, we were kind of useless, and, and then God, through his prevenient grace, snatches us out of there and says, you are my workmanship now. We're going to work on you. We're, personal holiness. We're going to start chipping away at the dead parts of your life. For example, I said it doesn't matter how much scripture you memorize. Well, it does when that devotion leads to motion, <laughs> when you begin to look at the word of God and you look at your life put up against it, I look at my life and I go, oh, that doesn't match. And it's like, okay, well, get busy now. You are his workmanship. The Bible talks about it in all different kinds of ways. It calls us grass, like the flowers of the field, like we're adorned, even more beautiful. Solomon in all his glory was not uh, made like we are, Right? Like the, I mean, like the flowers are. And aren't we more important than them? The Bible talks to, about us being like jars of clay, vessels to be used, vessels of honor. It talks about that. It talks about us being the hands and the feet of God, of Jesus. We're his workmanship. So I told you about these, uh, <laughs> these stupid cabinet doors. I tend to get focused on things obsessed 
Uh, and so I had these doors and I was building them and I, I like fell in love with them. Like I didn't want anyone touching them or looking at them. And they were sitting here and I'd rub my hands on them. I know you guys are like, I got to find another church. Well, get in line. We're moving to Bakersfield. So there we go. So, so, uh, so I would be, I'd have these doors and I'd like, I'd like, I'd look, I'd be get so close and I'd look at them and I, I, I bought special reading glasses. I normally wear 200s. These are like 200s. I bought 300s because I wanted to look like even closer at these, at these doors. Now imagine your heavenly father, how he takes you and he says, oh man, you remember when you were dead in your transgressions and in your sins and now I've made you alive. It's by grace. But I love you so much. Let's do it now. Let's go. Let's take that devotion and lead it into motion. And so then we read the word of God and then we say, how does it apply? How does it change who I am? We are his workmanship. Now, you say, this is fantastic, John. I love this. Personal holiness. Go get it. I love it. All this kind of stuff. Mm. But it continues. Remember, you're dead in your transgressions. You're dead in your sin. God's grace, by, by grace you've been saved. It's not of your works. You weren't saved by works. You were saved for them. Watch what it says. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. It's as simple as that. That's why you were created. To serve. That's why he gave you hands. That's why he gave you feet. That's why he gave you one mouth and two ears, okay, all right? It's to serve. It's to say, oh my goodness, I was dead in my transgressions, I was dead in my sins, I was living for myself, that's not what I'm, how I'm designed, and God says, no, 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 you're my workmanship. We're going to work on all your personal holiness stuff, and in the meantime, we're going to have you serve others. And that service, this is the great thing about the Lord. It can come in any form. It can come in any form. It doesn't have to be, you don't have to get here at six in the morning every Sunday for decades like Richard did. I know, he, I know he's going to feel uncomfortable. It's too bad. I, I got a picture too that I'm going to show you that's really going to make him uncomfortable, but whatever. Um, listen, creating Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. This daily walk with Jesus must include good works. You're not saved by them. You're saved for them, which he prepared beforehand. You know what this means? It's going to fit the way you were created. Maybe for you, serving might be just notes to people. Maybe it's, it's you might love to bake, and that's why you're like, wait a minute, I can bake for somebody, and that like counts? <laughs> I love to bake. Yeah, sometimes what you love to do counts, if you're counting. You were created in Christ Jesus for good works. You were saved out of the mire for good works. You weren't saved by your good works. None of us can do that. Here's, the, here's what we get from Jesus. John talks about it. For the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. So our example is Jesus. We've seen his glory. 
the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And what did Jesus do? He broke through barriers. He goes to a Samaritan woman. Okay, there's two barriers there. Ceremonially unclean. To be in Samaria is to be unclean. And then he has the audacity to say, take your unclean bucket that was touched with your unclean hands, put it in your unclean well, pull out your unclean water, and give it to me, and I will drink from it. He breaks through those barriers. He decided to heal a centurion slave. They were in an occupied country. This would be like, okay, let's just say you're a Democrat or a Republican, whatever. Just pick in your mind, just pick the person that you just can't stand from the other side. And I know you're thinking, you mean all of them? You know, but I get it. <laughs> Trust me. And then you go out and you help them campaign. You help them live their life whatever. Jesus broke through that. Jesus went and called a tax collector who was a traitor to Israel. Here's the example he leaves. He knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he came from God and he was returning to God. In other words, he knew he was going to heaven. What did he do? He got up from his meal. He took off his outer clothing. He wrapped a towel around his waist, and he served. That's what he did. Matter of fact, Jesus says to God, even before, he says to his heavenly father, even before he dies, hey, I completed the work you sent me to do. Well, wait a second. I thought the only reason Jesus came here was to die for our sins. That's a really big part of it. <laughs> Not gonna lie. But he says to his heavenly father, I've completed the work you sent me to do. This was prior to his Crucifixion, because what did he do? He showed the heart of his heavenly father, which is us serving one another. He took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. When he had finished washing their feet, he put uh, his clothes on and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He goes on, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and your teacher, have washed your feet, Go do it. You also should wash one another's feet. He makes it as clear as day. I have set you an example that you should do as I've done for you. James says it this way. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure is this. To look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself being from being polluted by the world. That's it. That's Christianity. We're in our sin. We're destined to be separated from God. And he saves us. And he says, it's not just saving you for some future event that's going to happen 30, 40, 50, 60 years from now. No, no, you're my workmanship and it starts now. So my question is this, as the worship team returns, or the Val, anyway, thanks Val. As we return back to normal, and next week we'll be starting a new series called uh, The List, and it's basically a list of things that if you do them, you will be the most effective Christian, at least on your block, 
okay? But it's how to be effective. And there's a list that Peter actually writes out. And we're going to go through each one of those things. And it's going to be awesome. Uh, but how are you going to serve going back to normal? Is that even a question for you and I? Tuesday, we open up California. Yay! Can I have COVID on Monday? Can't get it on Tuesday. There you go. What does it mean for you? Is there someone you couldn't see that you can now see? Is there something you couldn't do that now you can do? Is there some way you can now step out from the culture that says, oh good, it's back to normal. It's all back to being about us again. No, man, that's not what Jesus saved us for. He saved us to move forward, to serve others. So I'm going to pray for us and we'll uh, go through this last song. And I just ask you to take this time to really go before the Lord. And again, this is the beauty of it. It's not works for salvation. It's not like, oh, I'll be a better person. You are a better person. You're seated with Christ in the heavenly realm. Now just let it take a hold of you. The picture I had, I, I won't, it'll embarrass him, but uh, COVID was happening and we didn't know what we, I didn't know what I was doing as I was trying to lead us through COVID. So we'd be inside sometimes and we'd be outside, then we'd be online and then we'd be, uh, but there was this one, there was this one day, the sanctuary's empty, got the worship band behind us. And it's basically just me, Mark, Richard, couple, couple people uh, leading worship. And I was sitting in the back, and it's just a camera. It's just one camera. It's just sitting right here. I knew I had to get up and preach. And Richard, of course, had been here since six or whatever it was, set up to make sure everything's perfect for no people, okay? And I was sitting in the back, and he was sitting right over here. And the music's going. He just has his hands up, worshiping by himself. And I had to get a picture of it because that's just what I do. Uh, but that's it. That's it. That's the picture. That's the picture for all of our lives as we are snatched out of death as we're snatched out of sin and we begin to work on our lives through personal holiness to become more like Jesus. What are you going to do? You were created for good works, which God planned beforehand for you to do. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, we want to have our eyes and ears open as we move back into what is supposed to be normal. God, can it be about others? And we think of how we can serve our community, how we can serve those around us, how we can let people off the hook. Father, we just uh, pray as we sing this last song that our hearts would be open to hear your voice. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, I pray you would go in his grace, in his peace and in his strength. In Jesus' name, amen.